0: Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman.
1: And I'm Eve Simmons.
0: And we are health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to.
1: This week, we're talking about calls to scrap breast cancer screening for one in five women who are eligible.
0: As always, we'd like to know what you think, if you've got a question or have something to say. You can do so on Twitter using the hashtag medicalminefield. It's a story that comes up every now and again, Eve, that mammograms do more harm than good. Now, why on earth would a mammogram do more harm than good, you might ask? The Breast Screening Programme invites all women aged 50 to 70 to have a scan on their breasts, a type of X-ray scan on their breasts, once every three years. And they do this in order to pick up very early stage breast cancer, the kinds of lumps that can't be seen or felt and wouldn't cause any symptoms. The idea is that picking it up at a very early stage means that you can treat it more successfully and that fewer women die. And some analyses that I've read suggest that the screening programme has led overall to a 38% reduction in breast cancer mortality.
1: Well, that's fantastic. I I read that we save about 1,300 women every year from the breast cancer screening programme.
0: So, unarguably, it's a lifesaver. But for many years now, experts, scientists, doctors who really know their stuff about cancer have been arguing that we give mammograms to too many women.
1: That's interesting. So, how could we be giving mammograms to too many women?
0: Well... There's a downside to having a mammogram. Whatever you find, if it's suspect, it's at best going to cause some worry. And, you know, at worse, apparently they pick up cancers that are very, very tiny, a very early stage and might never have caused any problem. Ultimately. So you can have
1: cancer that just sits there and hangs around, doesn't do anything? Absolutely.
0: And for various reasons, these could be lumps that disappear mm. on their own they could be lumps that just never grow, that they're very slow growing and they never cause any invasive disease. Because not all breast cancers will grow out of control and spread throughout the body. They know that.
1: medically, don't they categorise it as invasive breast cancer? Non-invasive.
0: Yes, so that's a term that they use to describe when it has grown outside of the tumour, outside of the breast and it's invaded other areas. Mm. But not all cancers are going to do that. The problem is they don't know which will and which won't. So once you find one of these tiny little specks of cancer in a mammogram... You have to do something about it. So that woman is going to have surgery at the very least, may well have radiotherapy or chemotherapy or all of those things. And these are life-changing treatments, quite mm-hmm. apart from the fact that this person will forever be worried and forever have the spectre of cancer hanging over their heads. And if and it's a
1: younger woman, it could kick her into early menopause, perhaps.
0: Sometimes treatments. I mean, it's not to be taken lightly. So cancer doctors are very concerned not to give these treatments and necessarily. But as I said, they can't tell which cancers are going to be problematic and which aren't.
1: So at the moment, it's a kind of case of better to be safe than sorry.
0: Absolutely. But there are experts that are calling for a change. They're saying that we should assess low risk women and not give them mammograms at all. And this could amount to up to one in five women. In light of those calls, We were interested to know what women thought. So our resident GP columnist, Dr Ellie Cannon, asked the readers to write in and we got dozens and dozens of letters. And I have to say, most women said that they were absolutely adamant that breast screening was a good thing. And many had these very similar tales of being low risk and having mammograms that picked up their cancer. And you've got a few examples of those letters, haven't you?
1: Yes, I do. There's a large number of them, actually. I've got one here from Sandra Simpson, who says, I was considered low risk for cancer, and after my NHS health checks, I'm considered very low risk for heart attacks and diabetes. It was only a routine mammogram that picked up a hidden cancerous tumour two centimetres up against the chest wall that couldn't be felt by me when I did my own self-checks. I feel very lucky that my cancer was found at stage two before it had spread, and as a result, I didn't need chemotherapy.
0: But not all readers were fans of mammograms mammograms I don't have personal experience. I never will.
1: Me neither. Well, you I, I will you do, will, but, but you,
0: some some years off, and you know who knows how they're going to be doing it then. But it's it's quite an uncomfortable procedure that involves the breast being sandwiched between two pieces of glass before it's X-rayed.
1: I was interested to hear read that some readers have described it as like putting your breasts into a fridge, kind well, of closing the fridge door on your breasts.
0: Which, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. And uh, we've got one reader who has decided that she is going to have any more mammograms. She hasn't had mammograms for many years. And so I think we should hear from her first of all. On the line now, we have Marcia Kenny from Newport in South Wales. Marcia, thank you very much for finding time to talk to us. Now, you have decided that you're not going to have any more mammograms. You've had about three, I believe. And then after that, now you're 68. And for many years, you haven't had a mammogram at all. Can you tell me why you decided not to have them anymore?
2: They would just cause me a lot of pain, a lot of worry. I'd worry myself just knowing when I had a, an invite to go for one, i start panicking because the first time I went, I was in so much pain. I, I thought that this, this can't be happening. They they can pull and squash and, you know, try to fit my very small breast into these plates. They was, I felt like they were just doing more damage than, than good to me. You know, I didn't. I didn't feel comfortable at all. I, I did go back because you go back because of fear. You think, go, oh, I better go, I better go. You never know there might be something because every time I went, it came back and everything was fine. Till in the end, I just thought, well, I, I can't put myself through this anymore. You I mean, the older you are getting, the more your skin is more thinner and tender. And, and I just felt like they were doing me more damage.
0: You've had a friend who's had a false alarm, is that right, as well? Someone who who spent a month worrying and then only to be told that the lump that they'd found wasn't wasn't anything?
2: Yeah, and she sat in a, a waiting room when she did go for the results with a, um, a lot of ladies who were coming out crying because they'd been diagnosed with breast cancer. And she she just said she felt like running out of there. She didn't want to, you know, wait. she was so afraid that she was going to be told that she had breast cancer. She said it was so harrowing in there. She said "She they should have kept people separate and not, you know, let everyone see people coming out as being really upset by their diagnosis, you know. So, and that put me off another thing, you know, she said she nearly died with the worry of waiting to, for the results for, you know, for weeks and weeks, just waiting to see the outcome of it.
0: Marcia, this isn't to say that you ignore breast health that you you are fully aware of uh, and you check your own breasts very regularly is that right
2: I'm absolutely on the ball every time I have a shower a couple of times a week even and at some time I I have gone to my doctor and if I thought something was a bit suspicious and I've even let her have a look and she said you know she didn't tell me I must go for mammograms it was my choice she said and I just said well I think I'm very low risk I've never took HRT, there's no background of my family with breast cancer, I'm not obese, I don't smoke, I'm not a big drinker, well, I'm not a drinker really, and I'm quite healthy, and you know, I walk everywhere, I don't even drive, you know, I don't even but car. But. So yeah, I think I'm very low risk and I'm willing to take the chance what will be will be and that's how I'm going to look at it, you know.
1: Marcia, is there not a part of you that thinks better to be safe than sorry? That obviously that time when you're having the mammogram is incredibly uncomfortable but that maybe that may be a small price to pay for the potential, you know, much larger harms that are going to come if perhaps there is something that's there that gets missed?
2: No, that doesn't bother me at all because the fear of going there and waiting for all the results and then... Going for, let's say, chemo and all this stuff. I'm sorry. I'd rather wait till that day it comes. I don't want to know. i die with a worry. I'm a big worrier there. And I think I would die of fear and worry, waiting for the results of tests and going for all these things. I just couldn't put myself through it. So my answer is what will be, will be.
0: Thank you so much, Marcia, for sharing your experience and views. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you. When we spoke earlier, Marcia told me that she had naturally had very lumpy breasts and uh, always has done. She's Mm -hmm. always known that. And so she's aware of how they should feel. And she said that she would know if something appeared that was different. Also, very interestingly, she says she remembers in her early 20s speaking to older women that she worked with about having mammograms and them saying how uncomfortable and dreadful and it was like medieval torture and but, oh, don't worry, Marcia, by the time you're our age... They'll
3: have they'll, done away with them. They'll
0: have done away with them. That, that, There'll be
1: another high-tech way to do it, yeah. But there isn't. I find that quite baffling. Surely something is in the offing.
0: I have no idea if there's something in the offing, but I certainly imagine that if it was a man's intimate, Bits. tender yes. tender areas... <laughs> yeah. uh, ...that had to be clamped in a vice, they might have... Uh,
1: Probably come up with something different. They
0: might have come up with something I've different. I've got a feeling, yeah. Next, we've got the cancer expert who kicked off this latest round of debate, Professor Fiona Gilbert, who is at Newnham College in Cambridge.
1: Yes, Professor Gilbert is also the president of the European Society of Breast Imaging, so a real expert in this area. And she joins us on the line now. Professor Gilbert, thanks so much for finding some time.
0: Some cancer experts have in the past said that mammograms or the screening, the screening program as a whole now does more harm than good, which is quite difficult to, to understand, I think, for the for lay people like me and Eve. You've also said that low risk women shouldn't necessarily need to face the anxiety of having a mammogram or going through a biopsy. Could you explain that as well?
2: So, women certainly need to
4: come from mammography because that's the only way we can assess what their breast density is. Breast density is a risk factor for developing breast cancer. Age is the biggest risk factor for developing breast cancer. The older you are, the more likely you are to develop breast cancer. You know we're we' you know it's terrible when young women develop breast cancer. That there's relatively fewer younger people develop breast cancer compared to the older age group. Women definitely need to have mammograms. But what we're wondering is whether women at lower risk can have mammograms you know, less frequently than the annual mammography. So it may be that women who are at very low risk. And we need lots of information to assess somebody's risk. We need to know what their genetic status is. We need to know what the genetic material to see whether that's conferring a risk of developing breast cancer.
1: So it wouldn't be enough just to look at someone's family history, for instance, as well as, of course, other risk factors like their age, lifestyle, alcohol intake, obesity risks, that kind of thing?
4: The trial that we're doing involves looking at the mammogram, looking at a very detailed questionnaire and also taking little bits of genetic material. So it's quite a complex thing that we need to do in order to assess somebody's risk. And, you know, we obviously wouldn't change anything until we can show categorically that we would not be causing harm. What we do know is that women are willing to come forward and participate in a trial where they're willing to give their information and they're willing to give a a sputum sample from which we can get these SNPs measured and also have their breast density measured. So the good thing is that we know that women are willing to participate and that women are interested in finding out what their risk is of developing breast cancer. But what we're absolutely not going to do is change the UK programme until we've got good evidence that it doesn't cause any harm by doing that. Women are very keen on having mammograms and you know, almost 80% of women come from mammography in the UK. That's fantastic.
0: It was implied in the the news reports that these very low-risk women, these younger low-risk women, could not need to have regular mammograms. Was that right? They would need to come for a baseline. Ideally, what we want to do is we want to start at 40 or
4: 45. We don't want to, because younger women do get breast cancer, and we want to try and pick up those younger women as well as the older ones. But ideally, what you'd want to do is start maybe when you're 40 and have your first X-ray then, plus a questionnaire, plus the steps, so that we can properly calculate somebody's likelihood of developing cancer. Now, at the moment, we offer those women nothing, like nothing in the UK, unless they have a family history. Or, and that has to be quite a strong family history before they're offered anything. And so what we should be thinking about is looking at the program differently. We know that women who've got gene predisposition for developing breast cancer will offer them regular MRI scans from quite a young age, we know that women who have breast density are possibly being underserved particularly those with we call it you know the highest breast density birads d you know where we really can't see what's going on you know there could be a small cancer hidden in amongst the breast tissue we know that those people should be having something extra instead of having the screening program starting at 50 three yearly for everybody we need to be thinking more smartly if you like.
1: Professor Gilbert do you know of any technology that is in development that may make mammograms more comfortable for women or or easier to deal with for those who really hate them and find them incredibly painful?
4: Oh that would be fantastic wouldn't it if we could make the mammograms more comfortable. People hate them because your breast is being squashed it's on a kind of cold plastic plate the breast is put it, it's it's not great the good thing is the compression's very short it's only a matter of kind of 10 seconds compression so you know i would strongly encourage people to come for mammograms when they're invited
0: absolutely and thank you so much for finding time to explain things to us a very complicated issue thank you It's interesting. It's slightly different from what was reported.
1: I mean, what she's talking about is just an individualised approach, which is being used for lots of different types of health problems and diagnoses.
0: Better testing methods, better screening methods, as we've seen with the cervical screening programme being extended Mm. uh, or suggestions that it should be extended to five years instead of uh, every three, Mm. uh, because they're so good at telling from the tests now which women will and which women won't go on to develop cancer within the next five years. So that's the aim, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but of course, if you don't explain this to patients properly, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh my goodness, this is terrible. Why are we not being screened so often? Surely that's more important.
0: Professor Gilbert's comments seem very moderate, but there are other cancer experts who have for quite some time been calling for A radical shake-up and that feel far too many women are screened now and that the programme does do more harm than good. Mm. And we've got one of them on the line now. Professor Michael Borm from University College London. Professor Borm, thanks very much for finding time to talk to us. It would be fair to say that you've spent a career looking for ways to improve breast cancer care, but something that you've been calling for for some years now is a shake-up of the breast screening programme. You've argued that the breast screening programme does more harm than good, that it doesn't save lives, in fact, you've said. Could you explain that to us?
3: Yes, well, first of all, you're correct. I've devoted my whole professional career to women's health. I emphasise women's health. Paradoxically, I was one of those responsible for setting up the screening program in 1987-88. After seven years, I began to question the value of screening. I must emphasize I'm not a maverick. I represent a significant large minority who feel passionately about this issue. The position we're in at the moment if you offer screening for 1,000 women over 10 years, you will avoid five breast cancer deaths. The women who are not screened have one more death from breast cancer, but one less death from other causes. So it's a zero-sum game. a 1,000 women screened or not screened, there is no difference in all cause mortality. I emphasize all cause mortality. And the reason for that is the problem of overdiagnosis, and it's the over-treatment of overdiagnosed cases can in the long run lead to one extra death from the toxicity of treatment. So we're faced with a screening program, cost of fortune. Lots of other services could be using the money at this time because screening for breast cancer does not save lives.
0: I know that they were looking at even extending the the screening programme until just before the pandemic when the, the study was shelved. They were looking at extending it to women in their 40s and then women beyond the age of 70 as well. You would, I assume, be even more against that.
3: I would say that was insane, uh, I, I just wonder what these people are thinking of. The problem is, it's a, an old saying, for every complex problem, there's a simple solution, and it's wrong. Breast cancer is a complex problem. The mantra, catch it early, save a life, it sounds convincing, but it simply doesn't work. You've got to go with the data. I wanted it to work. I was an architect of the screening program. Had I kept my mouth shut, I might even have got a knighthood." But I didn't keep my mouth shut. So it's just simple, Professor Michael, that.
0: Well, I'm sorry about that. Um, But (laughs) but what people have said, and there was the Michael Marmot report, obviously, that found this net benefit in terms of lives saved for women who had breast screening. And ultimately, it's the best we've got in order to pick up early stage. There there has been a fall in breast cancer deaths, thanks to the screening programme overall.
3: No, not thanks. I must stop you there. No thanks to the screening program. Absolutely no thanks. Breast cancer screening does not save lives. Full stop. And I'd argue with anyone with chapter and verse. Mortality from breast cancer has plummeted because of treatment. How dare they claim that the screening has reduced mortality from breast cancer? It hasn't. Better treatment has improved mortality from breast cancer.
0: So, you dispute the findings of the, the Michael Marmot report? You should read the detail of the Michael Marmot reports, all the
3: caveats and all the possibilities, <laughs> range of probabilities. This single issue fanaticism, as if nothing else matters than breast cancer and breast cancer screening, is such a narrow focus. We lose sight of the fact that the commonest cause of death for women is dementia and then coronary artery disease, and then strokes, and then lung disease, breast cancer's seventh in the league, and all the fortune we're spending on this futile program of screening could be spent on saving women's lives. For more important reasons,
0: which is absolutely important too, but uh, you know I, mean, I know that listeners, women that have written to us this week would say, and they have said, "I went to my mammogram, a breast cancer was picked up at my screening. I had no idea it was there. It turned out to be a triple negative, et cetera, etc, cetera. And you know, they credit the mammogram with saving their lives, so it would be difficult for them to hear what you're saying.
3: Well, I sympathize with these women. And sometimes I'm giving a lecture to a public audience and a woman will say, well, breast cancer screening saved my life. And what do I say? I, keep, I can't say anything. But the chances are, most likely it was overdiagnosed and it wouldn't have threatened her life in any case. That's number one. Number two, if left to nature, it might have been found when it was a lump and could have been cured that way. Or number three, maybe she hasn't been cured. I wouldn't say this to a woman face to face because that's cruel and I wouldn't be so cruel. I'd prefer to lose the argument, but in principle, No individual person can claim their life was saved by screening.
1: Where do you think all of these quite striking figures come from then? So, for instance, Cancer Research UK on their website says that since the breast cancer screening programme began in 1998, the number of deaths from breast cancer have reduced by 1,300 a year. I know you're disputing those statistics, but where do you think that
3: that's come from? Well, I don't know where it's come from who said it's due to screening. What they're doing is they're claiming the fall in mortality is thanks to screening. Well, it's not it's thanks to the better treatment. And we again we've got evidence for that. Tamoxifen alone has reduced mortality of breast cancer between 30 and 50% over the last 20 years. And that's just
0: one drug. At the moment, they're studying ways to refine this. There's, there's ongoing studies looking at whether you could use genetic tests and other markers of a woman's risk define women as low risk and uh, who are in need of less frequent screening. Do you think that that's the right way to go?
3: I think I was the first person to write the paper saying instead of screening everybody without question is to do a risk assessment, risk management approach. Now, that might include a more sophisticated tests than we have available, like genetic profiling and so on. And I think as the science gets better and better, there may be a way of selecting women at high risk when the risk of dying of breast cancer exceeds all the other risks that women are facing. So you might save lives.
0: Professor Michael Bourne, thank you very much for sharing your views. They're the controversial and striking.
3: I don't think they're controversial. Most people I know agree with me. <laughs> Thanks, for <that>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for asking me to join you. Hi. Sorry to interrupt
4: your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones' Diary, the podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk.
0: Well, as I I think I've said earlier, I'm never going to have a mammogram. I don't believe, even though men can get breast cancer, it Mm -hmm. would be very difficult. I'm very flat-chested, so there's just nothing to mam. Well, same, but apparently (laughs) I'm
1: supposed to have them when I'm
0: 50. You're looking forward to it?
1: Yeah, yeah, one of my life goals.
0: To give us a better idea of what it's really like to have a mammogram, I've invited The Mail on Sunday's travel editor and former health editor, Mm -hmm. my old boss, Sarah Hartley. Sarah, thank you very much for popping in. Thank you,
5: Barney, thank you.
0: Now, when we were talking earlier, I asked you what you thought about mammograms and you said you were all for them, but...
5: They do hurt. I think that's one thing that women don't ever mention. They are uncomfortable, but that should never put you off. And I think it probably depends on what size breast you have. I have what my sister very <laughs> kindly <laughs> describes as English handfuls. So when you are manoeuvred and you are manoeuvred into a flat plate, The radiographer then presses it down, your breast down, your pressed tissue down, between two glass plates, which are then obviously photographed. And it is uncomfortable. However, it is worth that moments of discomfort Mm. and nasty face pulling to have a screening. Is it more painful if you have smaller? I will never know. But I think there's less tissue there to be examined. I do think probably if you had more breast tissue and you had bigger breasts, it wouldn't be as painful. Marcia,
0: who we spoke to earlier, said that she had friends with who were well endowed who mm. said that it was excruciating also. Mm.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: But for you, it gives you real peace of mind. Oh, absolutely. And you've had... but You've not had them as a part of screening, have you? You've had mammograms outside of the screening programme.
5: I have had mammograms outside of the breast screening program because I'm on HRT. I'm 51. I'm on HRT and my private doctor has suggested I have them annually to make sure that you check there's no risk that's been Added to by taking HRT. Mm. I was also invited to do the NHS breast screening, which I also did because I wanted to see what it was like to experience it. And it, I can different? say it was exactly the same. That's well, good to know.
0: So, the reason we're talking today about it is because uh, there is some suggestion that low risk women could have less frequent mammograms. And you were listening in to mm. Professor Michael Baum, who argues extremely passionately that in fact breast screening isn't the thing that has improved breast cancer mortality. and It's, it's all, the
1: treatments,
5: it's not it's the, the screening. The but what I would say to that is if it's not through screening and through mammograms, how is it that women are accessing the treatment which he says saves the lives?
0: I know that a lot of breast cancers are picked up through women checking themselves or finding a lump rather than through screening. You'd just think better safe than sorry, wouldn't you? Absolutely.
5: And I think, I know the NHS is struggling, but you've also got to go for anything that may potentially, because again, I think it's, the majority of cancers are picked up in women over the age of 50, between 50 and 80. And those women have got families, and although they may not die of it, it could result in chronic illness, incapacity, inability to work. And these are women Mm. that are looking after families. So when they're going for that screening, they're not just going for themselves, they're going for the greater family that they support.
0: It is worrying that that he suggests that, in fact, you see an increased mortality because of the treatment, though, that overtreatment isn't just... Causing scarring or, or anxiety, Anxiety even. that actually more women die from breast cancer treatment almost.
1: I think that's incredibly concerning. I wasn't quite sure what the direct link there was. Maybe it's, you know, a small increased risk as the years go by from chemotherapy perhaps or from the radiation of radiotherapy that, that goes on to develop into something else.
0: I think he's right to point out that although he is, he is a minority voice, he is amongst a number of... Mm cancer experts who are saying this same thing it's
1: a significant minority i think that's true to say
0: I mean, so we wouldn't want to discourage anyone from coming forward for their mammogram for now because there is no implication that the the rules are going to change. There is definitely a concerted effort uh, to look for improvements in the methods.
1: Well, I think what Professor Gilbert says is right, isn't it? And it seems that
0: Professor Baum, you know, agrees with that.
1: mm, That we need more research, we need to look into personalised approaches and ways that we can make it easier for women who are perhaps having unnecessary treatment as well as making sure we pick up those breast cancers that we currently aren't. Detecting.
0: And it would seem that perhaps you're someone who's already benefited from that enhanced understanding that you that began earlier, you have a better awareness, so you're almost a living example. Absolutely.
5: Of... And, and when Professor Bourne was talking about saving lives as well, I always think of cancer now, breast cancer, is seen as a chronic condition. And if you can pick it up early, I wouldn't necessarily panic that it was a death sentence. But that's another reason why I would always go for screening, because I think if things can be got early, It's all for the better. So it's about getting treatment. And and maybe you don't have anything for five years, but it could be that time. And I know enough friends and friends of friends who have had things picked up on screening. And so, no, their lives haven't been saved because they've gone on to have cancer that's been successfully treated. So it hasn't got as, as far down the line as anything
1: terrible. That's certainly what a lot of our readers were saying, wasn't it?
0: And given that 50% of us are going to get some kind of cancer in our lifetimes, which is a wonderful thought, <laughs> a wonderful, <laughs> cheerful thought and to on leave that note, with, <laughs> On that note, you know, that's all you can really hope for, I suppose.
1: And I think the thing is with breast cancer, we've had so many medical advancements in the last 10 years that do mean that if we pick up breast cancer early, you're not going to end up with the same outcome that, that you did 20 years ago.
0: It's funny, you mentioned this at uh, Pick It Up earlier and that Professor Bourne was saying it's become this kind of mantra and he's mm. right, it does seem so. And it was something that we looked at with the Sarah Harding story, mm. the Girls Aloud singer who, who sadly died of cancer, that mm. she blamed herself for not having discovered. Mm. And speaking to Liz O'Reardon, the breast surgeon who writes for us often, she says that really there was nothing that you could have done about a case like that, that she discovered the cancer as soon as really that it was obvious something was wrong and by then it was too late and she was just bloody unlucky.
5: Mm, I know my doctor always said to me be breast aware but not breast anxious. Mm, and that's, that's just that's, good, that's just a kind of idea of just being aware, keeping it you know ticking over and going for checks
1: when you can and I suppose that sort of talks to the modern thinking about checking your breasts now that it's not absolutely. about making sure that you have your monthly breast check but about being generally aware and therefore you're able to spot changes when they come absolutely. about absolutely
0: Well, just to point out again that anyone listening you know we're not absolutely not saying forego mammograms and always turn up when you're invited. You can find all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to access all our podcasts, opinion pieces, pictures, poems, all kinds everything of things. You've everything ever everything dreamed you could of. possibly want from a website. <laughs> oh, and follow us on Twitter by searching at MailPlus.
1: We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you
0: then. Goodbye.